What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Matt's fellow adventures in Sangard, and we're doing the adventure four days outside the hold. You find yourself prepared, Thargir's chief scout, for a mission to report on enemy activity on the southern edge of the Warring Wood. Right. It's early one morning at the edge of the training yard, just outside the keep, that you approach by Thargir. And introduced to a young lady at his side. The exceedingly beautiful woman bows graciously and introduces herself at Telebois. Thakir tells you that Te- Telebois is chief among his scouts, a master of the wilds and a huntress without equal. The commander then tells you that he would like you to partake in a scouting expedition with Te- Telebois along the southern edge of the Warring Wood. Tally's junior is no stranger to power, says Sakir, as if to reassure the huntress. She nods and smiles in response. His valour is certainly no secret to any of us, says Talibar's mind. Must say, though, I beg your forgiveness in advance, but I hardly expected such a handsome man. Fakir rolls his eyes and shakes his head. Learn that you will join Talibar on a mission to scout the southern perimeter of, wa- of the Warring Wood, to assess any possible incursions that we may have made into that territory over the last few weeks. So there's a link to the Warring Wood. The ever-present winds that howl through the towering trees of the ancient forest have given wise to its name, the Warring Wood. According to a legend, the abode of a mysterious sorcerer is hidden deep within the wood. I don't expect the two of you to engage the enemy, warns Commander in a stern tone, once you're both back behind the walls of the keep in one piece. Keep what you discover what you can and take flight if necessary. Two of the best palfreys await you at the core. See to it that they return in one piece as well. Decided that you and Telibar will set out on your mission at once. And the two of you bid Thakir farewell and promise to return swiftly with any news of 
news of any discoveries. Wishes you luck, and warns you again not to engage the enemy outside the hold. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. With that, head for the cow, head for the core. The horses that Hakir has provided to you and tell it are proved to be excellent mounts. The two, the two swift seeds carry you out of the hole, through the rolling forested hills, south of the warring woods, and at last to the southwestern edge of the ancient forest. Teliboa is a remarkably skilled horsewoman, and during the trek from Zangar Keep to the west, to the edge of the warring wood, you learn enough from her to acquire the basics of the skill of horsemanship. You've acquired the skill of horsemanship. Your current level of mastery is one, which is novice. In conversing with Tudebeba, you learn she's among the first to arrive on the island, and was part of General Tarakin's initial landing party at the outset of the effort to reclaim Sargon. Who is General Tarakin? There's a link here. The much-lauded General Tarakin is among Tysa's most illustrious military figures. The white-bearded war master, those many conquests in the name of Tyson Coward, earned him high prize. Praise was, was chosen to command the retaking of Sargon Island, despite several notable victories against the goblins and trolls that dominate the settlers we are. Position as commander of the Tyson forces on Sargon has been assumed by Fane Mazabak. Tarkin, now nearly 70 years old, has since laid down his sword and returned to the small village of Stillwind, where he was born and raised. Alright. It's the thrillers of the adventure that brought me to the isle, she says. Glance over to you as you pass along the northern side of a broad clearing just inside the southern border of the woods. I have every hope that my intentions, Tezitir, meaning those of our king, our thane, are honourable, but not pretend to believe all I've been told is the truth. Within some variation is, I very much doubt that you do either, Tallis Jr. The promise of adventure is enough for me. You ask Talibor what she means, and she gives you a vile looking response. I've seen and heard many interesting things since arriving here, she says. Some that I wish I hadn't. Maybe someday we can discuss them all. I'm certain that you've noticed your own share of oddities since setting foot to shore. With that, the two of you begin your scouting and exploration along the southern edge of the Warring Wood. Day 1 The morning of your first full day of exploration along the southern edge of the Warring Wood passes without incident as you and Telebala guide your steeds through the less less dense outskirts of the ancient forest. Now and again, Telebala leaps down from the saddle and examines something on the ground, or holds up her hand and halts progress, as her keen eyes scour the shadows of the deeper wood. On every occasion, however, your trek is quickly resumed. As early afternoon sets in, bringing with it with its arrival a warm wind out of the south, you suddenly spot something through the trees to the north. It's a tall, leaning pillar of stone. The pillar is perhaps almost a hundred yards away, despite the fact it's covered with moss and nearly parallel to the ground. You're surprised that your partner, the illustrious Huntress, 
has not seen it, or at least made no mention of it. Wait until Tara's head is turned the opposite direction, then call out Discovery. Uh, her head darts to the left, and, and white once more. More than once before settling on the distant pillar. Wondering how long it might take you to find that, she smirks, promptly turning her course in the direction of curious sight. A chest, of course, Talis Jr. Let's have a look at it. The two of you dismount and leave your horses to, to graze at the edge of the wood before making your way on foot to the ancient wood. The pillar proves to be one of several in a small section of the forest, which also includes a crumbling, knee-high wall of broad, flat stones and a cracked, toppled monument of a helmed man leaning on an axe. Tenebar cast her eyes northward to Webb, but another series of pillars lies amongst misty undergrowth. To the east, perhaps 50 yards distant, is what appears to be a tall pile of stones, much like those that make up the dilapidated wall. Telebar asks you if you'd like to examine the pillars to the north, or the pile of stones to the east. Really have no preference, he says, yawning in a somewhat exaggerated manner. So I can use divination. Yeah, and I will. 4XB. You channel your power of divination and focus on the immediate area. A vague, unsettled feeling comes over you. You're unable to pinpoint the source of your eerie misgivings. You tell Tilibur what you detected and she nods and tells you she will remain alert. So I can go north to the pillars or east to the stones. And I'll go north. The group of toppled pillars to the north proves to be much the same as those you first spotted from the outskirts of the forest. The cracked and weathered stone columns, their ancient surfaces covered with strange carvings, lie buried in the tangled undergrowth that snarls most of this, this section of the wood. You've just begun to wonder what massive structures these pillars once supported when you suddenly spot something on the ground at your feet that makes your blood run cold. It's a loop of rope, partially concealed by the thick blanket foliage that covers the forest floor. It's the loop of a treacherous snare. You carefully step back from the loop of rope, and cast your wary glance at the trees around you, seeking any sign of an enemy concealed in the surrounding bush. Though you can no longer see Telebar, you're about to shout a warning to her, in the sharp, startled cry of the hunter just rises above the howl of the treetop winds. Without a second thought, you rush through the tangled voice, direction of your companion's voice, ready to face whatever danger she may have stumbled upon. As you draw closer to the pile of stones that Tenebrara is moving over to investigate, two hours whistle past on your foot in front of you and embed themselves in the ground. You spin to your white and behold two Naranok perched upon the black, the back of a fallen pillar, their bows again drawn and aimed in your direction. Realise you have but a six split second to act before they loose their arrows. There's a few options here. I can use archery, fortification, telekinesis, shadow magic, or I could charge them. I'm going to use mm, fortification. 16 XP to fortification, which succeeded. A shimmering sur 
curtain of silver sparkles appears before you. Only a moment before the two Naranok release their shots, the deadly arrows smash into your magical barrier and shatter upon impact, elicting shrieks of alarm, surprise and alarm from the savage, blood-painted creatures. As your shield fades, the two goblins shoulder their blow bows and draw long, cool knives. With their bloodthirsty shrieks echoing eerily off the trees around you, the wicked pair leap off the back of the pillar and bound towards you. Quickly assume a combat-ready stance. Prepare to meet their charge. The two Narak are swiftly upon you, lashing out at you with their bone-handled knives. These two Narak warriors. Alright, the, the vicious goblin warriors tavishly tear at you with their claws. Okay. And they are slain. Perfect speed. You leap black from the bloody corpses the two Narwok and wipe a stream of sweat from your brow. The sound of battle to the south leaves you no time to weapon your victory as you immediately dash off in search of your companion. You arrive at the pile of stones that Torelia was gone to investigate and find the huntress pitting a fierce battle against nearly a dozen savage Narwok warriors. The bloody corpses of five of the wicked goblins litter the forest floor at her feet, continues to slash out with a sword, the horde closing in from all sides. I was wondering if you were going to bother showing up, she cries, wishing a quick glance in your direction to flash you a wide grin. How about a little help? Before you can even move in her direction, six of the goblins surround her, turn and rush at you. You step back and assume a defensive stance as the first pair now what warriors closes in. It's two now what warriors. Alright. Ooh, I just entered in battle waves as the vicious goblin warriors savagely tear at you with their claws. And they are finished. 5 XP. You gaze down at the corpses of your foes as you take a moment to admire your grim handiwork. The next two goblin warriors are immediately upon you slashing at you with their blown hilted sword. The vicious goblin warriors savagely tear at you with their claws, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna happen. It says claws, but previously they were using swords. Yeah, it happens, it happens. You've slain your foe. 5 XP. You stare down at corpses of your enemies as you pause to catch your breath. As Telebro engages the last of the goblins she faces, you find yourself moving forward to meet the advance of the final pair of Nawanok warriors. Alright, fighting. Vicious goblins savagely tear at you with their claws. Your enemy lays a particularly brutal stroke for 9 damage. And these ones are also slain. 5 XP. You look over the remains of your foes as you pause to wipe the grime of battle from your face. Well, looks like we have already forsaken our word to Thakir, says the huntress, casting an approving glance at the evidence of your grim handiwork scattered about the forest floor at your feet. All I've heard about you seems to be true, though mind you, I've never doubted it. Here at least is something we can report. The two of you make a quick search of anyone's remains, but discover nothing of any interest. 
Telebra moves around to the opposite side of the pile of stones she was in, Prosit was examining, when attacked, and gives a cry of satisfaction as she leans down to pick up something on the ground. She steps back around Rockpile, holding a large leather back from which she removes a roughly hewn cube of jet black stone. Ravenbone, she says, tossing the small and curiously, curiously heavy cube of stone to you. The jet black stone is ice cold to touch and glimmers brightly in the sunlight that seeps through the canopies of the branches overhead. There's a link for Ravenbone. The extremely well and valuable minion known as Ravenbone is believed to possess many mythical qualities. Thus, the highly prized jet black and very dense substance has long been sought by those wishing to employ it in many different capabilities. It is suggested by some that Ravenbone was used in ages past by great warriors that would, that would, who would drink a mixture made from the mineral that would grant them near invincibility in combat. It's believed that no true deposit of Ravenbone has been discovered in the last few centuries. Indeed, very little of the precious and arcane mineral is found anywhere across the realms. You are well aware of the history and significance of the rare and valuable mineral in the west in your hand, and your mind is suddenly flooded with the many possibilities it represents. And, continues Catelba, not the first of it I found on the island. Raiden, I'm not the only one who found it. You can keep that one if you like, of course. Huntress bows, and she returns to an upright posture as you find yourself caught by her piercing glaze and momentarily taken aback by her disarming beauty. Talibar smiles and then looks away, checking over equipment as he start, starts back in the direction of the horses. Come on then, Tally's junior, she calls over her shoulder. We can't dally, dally about here all day. There's more of this wonderfully wretched forest to discover. You studied the cube of Ravenbone for another moment, before slipping it into your pocket and turning to follow your companion. It's a small cube of Ravenbone. This small, roughly hewn cube of Ravenbone is, one, is the one you discovered at the site of the ancient ruins on the southern edge of the Warring Wood. That night, you and Telebra set up camp on the edge of the wood, and each take a turn on watch while the other gets some much-needed rest. I am fully restored. Apart from the distant, through no less unsettling baying of several wolves, the night passes without incident. The two of you find yourself greeted by a chill, windy dawn. Day 2 It's late morning on the second full day of exploration along the southern edge of the warring wood, when you come across a swiftly flowing brook and decide to stop to water your horses and partake of some of the rations you've brought along on your trek. After finishing the light meal, you wander up the bank of the stream towards the edge of the forest to the north, while Telebra scratches her face with cool water from one of the many small pools along the side of the, side of the brook. 16. XP to Woodmanship You haven't gone far when your expert eye spots a large and recognisable impression in the mud at the edge of the brook. 
A closer examination of the track confirms your suspicions. It's the footprints of an ogre. You call out to Telibar, who quickly joins you and leads down to examine the track. Can't say I've ever heard of ogres on the aisle, he says, looking up from the track and wearily casting her gaze in all directions. The print is fresh too, with an owl, sir. Wait his make hasn't wandered off very far. More likely than not, he's heard us coming, took cover somewhere nearby. Ogres love a good ambush. Telibur's words wing true and serve to put you on guard as the two of you turn in opposite directions and carefully scan your surroundings for any sign of possible danger. The sudden jolt of Telibur jabbing her elbow into your back tells you the Huntress has seen something and you turn around only to be confronted by a strange and unsettling sight. Moving up the opposite edge of the brook from the south is a towering fur-clad ogre. The hulking, grey-skinned humanoid, easily eight feet tall, is dragging the bloodied carcass of a stone-eater behind him. A large hammer hangs from his hide belt, and several thick chains encircle his broad neck. At fifty yards, the, the ogre stops, stops and raises his left hand. Displaying for you, displaying for you in his, his open palm, in what both you and Tedibo believe to be a sign he comes in peace. But what is a stone eater? These large, aggressive, and omnivorous libbers are named so named stone eaters because the primary staple of their diet is stone. But then, while they will catch and eat small animals. Or even unwary humanoids, these creatures primarily thrive upon stone and rock, which their unique digestive systems turn into a long-lasting source of nutrients. Stone eaters are normally found far from human civilization, in areas of dense forest. Their lairs are sometimes marked by tall piles of stone, which serve as a food store for the large reptiles. Adult stone Stone weakers range in size from that of a large dog to the size of a small bear. Is he going to skin that thing? Or eat it? says Telebois, her face plainly showing her dislike to turn event. I have a feeling this is only going to get stranger, Talisui. Let's keep on our guard and keep the stream between us if we can. You agree with your companion's sentiments and keep your eyes. And keep your and keep your eyes fixed on yoga as he continues what appears to be a cautious but steady approach. Telibra holds up her left hand to a, and to ans, in answer to a sign given by the ogre. At ten yards the ogre stops and releases his grip on the dead stone eater's trail. Then the carcass of the stained beast just slumped to the ground at his feet. Any of the goblins up about that way? Any of the goblins up about that way? He asks in a thundering but seemingly friendly tone. His diction and overall domain are heat of an extremely capable, capable insect, something that catches both you and Telebois utterly off guard. Have we recovered from the initial shock introduced, induced by the ogre's appearance and his surprising demeanour? You and Telebois. Learn that his name is Hom 
Homua. Hokmua, and that he has for the last several years called the island of Sangard home. You introduce yourself to the ogre, and, as if he's guessed or detected your surprise regarding his perceived intellect, he launches into a brief but amazing explanation. Hokmua tells you that Hokmua tells you that he was he that he was always found a place in his heart for COVID, something utterly foreign to the vast majority of his savage kin. Nor does his benevolence that won him the favour of a powerful sorcerer, he once rescued from a band of Tarzal in the forest near the city of Chana, in exchange for having saved his life. The sorcerer crafted for him a potion, he said, would gift you with a mind to match the grandeur of your heart. So, here I am, he says, smiling, oddity, and a hated outcast from Orgdom. I can't say I've ever regretted it. I do hope that sets you at ease, of course, for I've no quarrel with humans. Unless required, of course. You and Telebar assure Homakar that you also have no quarrel with him, and he seems pleased and somewhat relieved. He tells you that, that the air for which you're passing has been crawling with Nanlock as late. He took himself to with the world of six of their number early this morning. The goblins usually give me a wide berth, he says, grinning, as he plants, pats the haft of your hammer, laying its sides. I've lost count of the number of Nowak skulls I've flattened with this piece. I'll have to say it now counts over a hundred. I've never cared for goblin kinds, but these Nowak are a particularly ugly sort. The two of you hail from the keep to the southeast, or I'm much mistaken. Telebra confirms the ogre's suspicions, and he nods. Well, you as if you could take care of yourself well enough, he says, but I warn you to be cautious in these parts, particularly east of here, in the lower country. I've seen signs of a dragon about at the area these past few months, though I confess not to have laid eyes upon the beast himself. Friend or foe is, of course, the question. You could never tell with them. Well, I'd prefer to avoid it altogether, given the chance. In a surprising and perhaps historic turn of events, the two of you spend the remainder of the morning and the first hour following midday, resting at the edges of the stream in the company of Hokmua. Hokmua? The ogre busies himself with skinning and quartering the exodus of carcass, and even roasts a small portion of it over the fire Telebar's built offering each of you a share of the surprisingly tasty black and reptilian flesh. At last, you and Telebar bid farewell to Hock Munoir and wish him luck on his travels. He returns the sediment and adds that he hopes your paths will again cross some day. With that, the ogre moves off, following the stream north into the warring wood, while the two of you climb back into the saddle and resume your trek along the southern edge of the forest, heading east. Stanima points. Everything is restored. Yep. The range of the day passes without incident, and you and Telebar spend a good deal of time talking about your encounter with the, or- the ogre, Hokmua. He had to brave the wilds of this wretched isle to escape the savagery of his own kin says the huntress. At least, that's, at least that's how I heard his tale. 
A true testament to neatness of man, I suppose. We cherish and reward those capable of great greatness, rather than drive them into exile. What do you think, Tally's Julia? Concur with much of what Tullibur has said, but still find yourself with unanswered questions about Hombokwa. Not the least of which, which, which is, which, which of which concern is his, his stated reason praying the isle. What you've come to learn of Sargard, and all the happenings on its shore, few things seem to be how they appear at first glance. As late afternoon fades into dusk, you find a place of high ground amid several large boulders and make camp. You and Terebois again share the night's watch, which thankfully passes without incident. Once again, you resume your trek along the southern border of the Warring Wood, in the face of a cool breeze out of the east. Day 3. It's late afternoon on the third full day of your trek when your exploration is suddenly interrupted by a gruesome sight that looms into view as you pass through an area of thickly wooded hills. There must be forty of them, says Tenebola, drawing a sword as she carefully manoeuvres her steed in and, a, in and around the dozens of brutalised narrow corpses you've discovered in small hollow between the surrounding range of rolling forested hills. The master huntress turns her eyes to the crowns of the surrounding stone slopes, but your eyes are already scouring the hillsides for any sign of whoever, whatever, slaughtered the goblins. You estimate the Nowak have been dead only a few hours at most already. High overhead, several large birds prayer began to circle against the pale blue sky. This can't be the ogres you doing, commands Tele comments Kerbala, referring of course to Hokmua. As he stares stares down with revulsion the mangled goblin gob, goblin corpse at the feet of a horse. Not even an ogre to hope to outlast as many. They've been cut up too, swords most likely. Although after one of it convinced me is the work of soldiers. You note that several of the goblins have been decapitated, discovery made even more horrific, when you're unable to locate their heads amidst the carnage littering the ground. I don't like the look of this, Tebris says, shaking her head. See if we The Hauntress head spins spins to the north, with your eyes already locked on the fearsome sight that has drawn her attention and is now, now questing the tallest of the hills that surround you. Your pulse quickens as you count no less than nine nightmarish creatures scussing over the back of the nearby wise. Things are like it better in the hole, scowls Telebra, casting a sideways glance at you. Moving over the top of the hills to the north, and almost north, and quickly scuttling down the steep forested slope are nine of the most horrifying creatures you've ever laid eyes on, with the lower body of a large black spider and the upper torso, arms and head of a yellow-skinned goblin. The beasts now rapidly descending upon you seem like something out of only the darkest of nightmares. As the, as the spider creatures draw closer, you note that without exception, each of them wields two black-bladed swords, one clutched in each of their clawed hands, belong to the goblin portion of their hideous forms. 
their eight long and spiny, spindly legs danced nimbly through the thick of the forest, propelling them towards you with haunting grace and unnerving speed. You doubt you'd be able to outrun them, even on horseback. The West! shouts Celebrar, pointing in that direction with her sword. You turn in dismay to find twelve more of the hideous goblin spiders crawling swiftly down the nearest slope. In only a matter of moments, two of you find yourself completely surrounded by a large group of the terrifying goblin spider creatures. The nightmarish hybrids form, broad wing around you and swiftly close in, obviously seeking to add two humans to an election of carnage that already forms fills the small hollow. So, there's some options here. I could use archery, telekinesis, archery, elementalism, telekinesis, or divination. If my mechanancy was a higher level, I could use that. But it isn't, so I can't. So I could wide forward and engage them, or remain where you are and prepare to defend yourself. Hmm. No, no, no. I think riding forth would be better. If, if I remain where I are, they'll be able to concentrate their forces and surround me utterly. Riding forward is, the, I think, my best chance. Other, of course, than using these skills and powers. What does divination do? Let's find out. Having failed at your attempted... It failed. You found your attempted action. You quickly decide upon another course of action. So I'm going to ride forward and engage these creatures. You move, your bold move seems to catch Celebrar guard, but the Huntress, her sword held high, urges her skittish force, horse forward towards the perimeter of the nightmarish circle of foes now closing in around you. As you reach the foremost of your encroaching foes, Hideous spider creatures, which charges forward and attacks, slashing out at you with two black swords clutched tightly in the clawed hands attached to the goblin portion of its upper torso. You suddenly realise these creatures can only be the legendary Xylomomore, a malevolent, magically hated race combining goblin and spider, believed to be extinct for nearly a thousand years, and there's a link for them. Xylomore. This hideous hybrid waist combines the upper, yellow-skinned torso, arms and head of a goblin with the lower portion, abdomen and eight legs, of a massive black spider. Believed to be extinct, these foul malevolent creatures were most certainly the product of an ancient experiment in dark magic. The Xylomore, more formidable and aggressive combatants, and were capable of dual-wielding black swords, which they crafted out of the near-impervious substance they excreted from their bulbous abdomens. The underside of each Xylomore abdomen also bore a circular spot, circular silver spot, from which these horrid creatures could unleash a magical lightning attack, according to the legends that surround these creatures. Xylomore possessed the ability to repel magic. It's believed that the last holdout of this vicious species perished on the northern plains of Huntrypon nearly a thousand years ago. 
Apparently not. Apparently, the apparently the tales of of their demise were an exaggeration. Unnerved by this revelation, you pair yourself prepare yourself to engage your vicious foe. Alright, I'm going to fight a Xylomore. The Xylomore slashes you with its pair of deadly black bladed swords. Keep slashing, I keep bash. The Xylomore rears up on four legs and unleashes a powerful energy attack that tears into you for six damage and is slain. Not in XP. You stare down the remains of your foe as you take a moment to catch your breath. You suddenly find yourself surrounded by seven of the vicious Xylomore. Retreat not an option. You boldly hold your ground as the sword-wielding goblin and spider creatures swarm in on you. Alright, fight. Yep, it's slashing with the swords and it is slain. The hideous Xylomorph, now an slash crashes about on the ground. Its eight legs waving wildly in the air for several moments before finally surrendering to death. Before you can even catch your breath, you find yourself confronted by yet another of your gruesome foes. It's number two. Slashes you with deadly black bladed swords and is slain. 9xp, on to number three. Alright, uh, yep. And here's number four. That's four down. Number five. Alright, I hope Telebrar is doing okay. The vicious Tavros thrashes about the ground. It takes legs, waving wildly in the air for several moments before finally surrendering to death. Number six. Yep, slashing with the swords. Alright, and finally, number seven, at least, finally, for, for a little while. The Xalamor slashes you with a pair of black-bladed swords and is slain. 9xp. The hideous Xylomor flashes about on the ground, its eight legs waving wildly in the air for several moments, before finally surrendering to death. As the last of the Xylomor flashes about on the ground before you in the throes of death, Telebar's desperate, desperate cry reaches your ears. You turn in the direction of the companion and find that she is attempting to fend off a dozen of the hideous creatures. As you urge your steed in the direction of the embattled huntress, you count the remains of ten Xylomor scattered about the ground at the feet of a valiant steed. Oh! She's slain even more than I have. Oh my, she is good. She is good. I totally want to go on more adventures with her. Possibly the adventure of marriage. But let, I think I should probably get to know her first. As you reach Tele, Telebar, yet another of the dreadful Xylomore falls victim to Companion's masterful swordplay. The huntress turns her head for an instant and flashes you a grin. Then suddenly her eyes widen. She shouts a desperate warning. Tally's Junior! Behind you! You pivot your saddle just in time to see a large xylomore bearing down on you. The hideous creature brandishes its dual black blades with unnerving skill as the goblin head perched on the upper torso. Portion of his torso snarls. 
you steady yourself as you prepare to engage the menacing fiend. Large Xylemore. The large Xylemore slashes you with his pair of deadly black bladed sword. The Xylemore wears up on its four legs and unleashes a powerful energy tap that tears in, tears into you for 12 damage. Now I'm just bashing it, bashing it. Just extinct this time! Ah. 14 XP. The moment your enemy slumps to the ground in front of your horse, you find yourself confronted by a pair of equally massive Xylemore. Hideous creatures stuttle across the carcass of their slain kid and savagely attack you. It's two more large Xylemore. Oh, he does another energy attack for 19 damage. He's a tough. Oof. The Xylemore cuts through your defences with a dazzling series of slashes with his black-bladed sword for 15 damage. But it's nearly gone, nearly gone, and slain. 22 XP. A sudden rush of air instinctively tears gaze away from the waving limbs of your dying enemy. You turn your white and horrified to find the black blade wielded by a massive Xylemore squeaking through our head. Gotta pick a number. Bonus of 30, 20 from agility, 10 from luck, and 0 from horsemanship. Because uh, I haven't had time to train it yet. Uh, if I took a few levels in it, this would be easier. But I haven't had the time. So I pick the number. Success! 97. You simultaneously duck and urge your horse forward. Now early escaping the deadly stroke of the massive Xylemore's blade. The massive Xylemore scuttles forward and attacks, striking out at you with expert precision, with two black blades clutched tightly in its clawed hands. You quickly find yourself engaged in a fight to the death against your savage foe. It's a massive Xylemore, they just keep getting bigger! The massive Xylemore slashes at you with his pair of deadly black-bladed swords. Xylemore cuts through your defences with a dazzling series of slashes with his black-bladed swords. And is now slain. As the massive Xylemore crashes to the ground, its eight legs waving wildly in the throes of death, 38 XP, you are suddenly landed a staggering blow from behind that sends you pitching sideways from the shadow. You strike the ground with jarring force, driving the wings from your lungs and momentarily doubling your vision. Oh, I've only got what, 137 damage, even with just one stat number point left. I'll briefly heal from that. I think it's nearly over. Severely wounded from the combination of the blow and the fall from your horse, you struggle to regain your feet as the massive Xylemore towers over you, preparing to strike you a final fatal blow. Suddenly, the hideous goblin and spider shudders violently and collapses, collapses to his side, dropping both of his deadly blades as the familiar and unexpected figure emerges from the chaos of battle and wages behind it. You are simultaneously shocked and relieved as Homwa. The ogre you and Talabar defended just yesterday steps past the wiving carcass of the dying Xylemore, reaches down with this massive hand to help you to your feet. 
The rider of Homocraft combined with the devastation both you and Telebois have walked upon these wicked creatures appears to have at last shattered them all well. The scant remainder of the Zyla Moor scuttled back up the hillsides at the edge of the hollow and are soon lost from sight amidst the trees. Telebois winds up, breathing heavily, and salutes you as Homocraft and Holobacar from exhausted rage. The huntress's face is streaked with blood and the grime of battle. Remarkably, she appears to have suffered no serious injuries as a result of the battle. No offence, mind you, she says, smirking at Hobokar as he still attempts still attempts to catch her breath. But I never thought I'd be so glad to see the arrival of an ogre. The ogre scowls playfully and kicks at the carcass of Xylamore at his feet. I should have warned you about these nasties, he says, frowning. The forest is crawling with them. Horokar tells you he's encountered Xylamore all throughout his travels across the island, though most frequently in and round the Warring Wood. The Nanawak fear them, and I suppose the trolls do too, he says in a deep, rumbling voice. I do my best to avoid them. Particularly when they're to be found in the sorts of numbers you came upon. There's to be a great festering nest of them somewhere. Though I suspect that anyone unlucky enough to stumble upon it would not likely survive to tell of it. Another thing, another in the long list of reasons to seek a sort and stay on this island. Growls Telebra, shaking her head. Once we report this to Fankia, it's likely that the force gathered the keep will never leave the hold. At length, Homokar says he must set set off on his way, and he bids you both farewell, and wishes you luck on the remainder of your journey. He tells you that it was mere chance that brought him back this way, in time to do what he could to help you against the Zylamore. He hopes that chance will again bring him across your path. The two of you watch as the ogre departs, moving at a slow but almost graceful gait over the forested slopes, Surround the hollow. When he's out of sight, the two of you check over your horses, who have miraculously escaped harm during the brutal battle, and you once again resume your trek. You're both eager to leave the carn-strewn hollow far behind. He seems fairly eager to make an impression of us, or so it seems to me, says Telebois, as you wide up and out of the hollow and across a broad expanse of grassy meadows. Maybe all my days in the wilds may be a little too wary. Really, it's no good no place for a good, old bit, good bit of old sixth sense. What do you think, Tallis? Julia, you told Telebar you're not entirely certain, but that the ogre appears to be generally friendly. You also add that if Hokumar had desired either of you hard, he certainly had his chances. I suppose that's the guess that Matt... Best argument against my imaginations, smokes Silver. Still, I've lived this long among all manner of danger by stepping to a few simple truths. One of them is those most desirous of friendship, often those most desirous of a low regard and a clean shot to your back. But you're probably right. But if he suddenly shows up at the keep, we can rethink it. Your conversation drifts away from the ogre. Onto the problem that has arisen in the light of your encounter with Xylamore. You both agree that it seems there may be perils on Sargard more immediate and deadly than anyone has so far guessed. 
the remainder of the day passes with, without further incidents or encounters. And you are both glad for that. As dust descends upon the isle, you make camp in a hollow at the top of a rocky slope, which overlooks a small swamp. Once again, the two of you share watch duties, for what thankfully proves to be an uneventful night. And I am fully restored. Day 4. The day dawns, dawns chill and windless, but by mid-morning the cool air has given way to warm breezes to drift over you from the south, making for a pleasant final leg of the journey under clear blue skies. Midday passes and early afternoon arrives, and you find yourself remarking on the lonely but beautiful landscapes that surround you. Not even a hint of danger that seems... The seemingly lurks every turn of the aisle can be found in the rolling hills, bright forest glades that roll by as your steeds pass over a belt of grasslands as it approach the far eastern spur of the warring woods. As you ride along, you find your thoughts increasingly turn towards your companion, the beautiful, bold and adventurous Hauntress, who has shared not only the journey but also the peril and who seems to bear some suspicion regarding the entire endeavour of the Isle, mirror your own. Now and again, you glance at Tella, but only discover that the piercing gaze of her bright amber eyes is fixed on you. On each occasion, she swiftly turns her head and makes some innocent remark, some nearby feature of the landscape. It's nearing dusk, almost five days after in having left the keep, when the first of, this, or first of the stone columns known to all within the hold as the outer markers come into view, signalling return to the relative safety of the human hell portion of the isle, or the increased danger. Could be either way. Could be either way. Celebra pats the stone calm effectively as she passes by, and mutters something under her breath that she cannot make out. As the keep itself looms into view as the gathering glooms of the south, you and Telebar part ways. Huntress leans over and meets you in a shoulder cross. Tells you she hopes this is not the last adventure you will share. I will make a report to Thakir, she says, for I'll tell him only what he needs to know. I think at least for now we should keep the ogre to himself. Don't see that any harm can come of it. The mere mention of the Xylemore ought to be enough to send his head spinning. The two of you share a laugh, and you tell Telebar that keeping the encounter with Horrorcar's secret is probably for the west, for the best. Not a word to anyone about the waving bones, he says, referencing the small, roughly hewn cubes she tossed you, the size of the forest wounds. You agree, and nod in response. You wave as Telebar turns and heads off to make the report to Dakir, and watch as the huntress shouts sight. Then you slowly make your way along the winding stone path that leads down to the corral. While on your adventure with Talibar, you not only had a chance to practice your horsemanship skills, but you also learned a few new tricks by observing the Huntress, who is indeed a very accomplished rider. 3,072 experienced the horsemanship. Throughout your trek along the wild south of the Warring Woods, your skill of woodsmanship was put to the test time and time again. You also find you have learned a great deal while observing Telebra, who is also who is a master 
of the wilds. 3072 experienced the woodmanship. In the days that follow your excursion along the southern edge of the Roaring Wood, you find your mind plagued by thoughts of a beautiful huntress. And on two occasions, you even inquire with Akio about her whereabouts, hoping for the opportunity to see her again. But each time you are told that she is on another mission outside the hold. Years to come, it is always with great fondness that you recall your four days outside the hold with Telebois. And that finishes this adventure with 1,024 experience to general. Now... I've never, I've never seen it myself, but apparently, if you have a female character, you, you're partnered with a male hunter instead, because it is love interest, as you might have got, got the few hints here. Yeah. Next adventure is Knight of the Four, a delicate whapping at your door of your chamber just after midnight inexplicably fills you with a deep sense of dread. So let me check up no nothing to identify. Anyway, so I'm going to put all I'm going to be leveling up by horsemanship. Horsemanship one because I can mostly mostly using the experience that has been stored um, but largely, also, for the upcoming joust, which will happen, and I will win it. But until then, farewell, fellow adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.